Welcome to Conscious Business with the Corporate Yogi. I'm your host, Julie Zuzak. This podcast helps entrepreneurs develop the mindset needed to build and grow a conscious business. Whether you know it yet or not, your mindset is the subconscious blueprint that determines your success. Each episode, we explore the different ways your business calls you forth to grow on a personal level and through your relationships. So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? Well, guess what? We are at episode 50 now of a weekly show, which means that we're just about at our one-year anniversary for Conscious Business. And I really want to take a minute to just say thank you. Thank you for your unconditional support of this podcast over the last year. I know that we have covered a lot of different topics over this year, and we've tested out a lot of new things. And it means so much to me that you've stuck around to listen and share it with others. You know, I'm not going to lie, weekly publishing schedule has been tough at a couple times, but getting the support and the feedback from you guys and tuning in each and every week to learn something from this podcast, that is truly what keeps me going. And while the process of publishing content has gotten a little bit easier over this last year, my saboteurs have not gone away. I'd say pretty much every episode that I publish, I go through the self-doubt of thinking, okay, this episode is total garbage. No one's going to listen to this. No one's going to understand it. And no one's going to get any value from what you're talking about, Julie. But somehow, my stubbornness to get an episode out each Monday and knowing that you guys have subscribed and expect to see it there every Monday morning, well, that is what helps me overcome my self-doubt. So today, we're going to talk about validating demand for your product or your service. And I'm going to introduce you to a methodology that I like to use and one that I get my clients to use. And I'm also gonna introduce you to one of my favorite books. And then I wanna look at this methodology from a conscious business perspective to understand why it works on a metaphysical level. So here's a little look at what you're gonna learn today. First, we're gonna talk about what validation is and why we need to do it. In our second segment, we're gonna start to apply it to conscious business with the first two principles. In our third segment, we're going to look at the second two principles of conscious business. And then in our last segment, we're going to look at how validating impacts our personal development and it helps us avoid the paralysis of perfection. But first, I want to start with a story. So this story I'm about to tell is a very common one. It happens to the best of us. And some version of the story has happened to every single entrepreneur out there, I'm convinced, at some point, including me at many points in my journey. We get an idea, a really cool idea, a brilliant idea, and it feels right, and we want to move to action. And you know, I actually do talk a lot about fear and how fear can be paralyzing at times. And it really does often cause us to be stuck in our journey. But today, we're going to actually talk about the opposite problem of having fear and getting stuck. It's where we have a really cool idea and we're 100% confident that it's brilliant. 
And because it's such a great idea, we dive in headfirst into creating it without getting confirmation that it's something that people even want or that they're willing to pay for. Now, this scenario can end in one of two different ways. (laughs) You can get lucky and you can meet with great success or you can launch and get crickets and nothing happens, nothing at all. You spend time and energy building something and then no one wants to buy it. And you don't know why, because it's such a great idea. I mean, at least it was in your head and it's brilliant and it will help so many people because I know that you care. Now, over the years, I have created many different programs and offerings. Some have worked and some have flopped. But I want to share an example of one that I launched with great success because I validated it before I launched. And I want to teach you the specific process that I used for validating so that you can use this with your business. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, you've had the chance to follow along and you know exactly what I'm going to talk about. So last year, when I had the idea to launch Retreat You, I knew really strongly that there was demand for some sort of product to train and teach retreat leaders. Since I'd been running the workshops and the webinars for a while, I knew people got value from me teaching this content. But instead of diving in to build what I thought people wanted, I took the time to do research, which consisted of 30 personal interviews with people who I thought would be interested in it. And here's how it worked. I had a 30-minute conversation with each and every one of them, and I asked them a set series of questions about what they wanted help with, what their biggest challenges were, and how much they would be willing to pay for the product. So at this point, I validated that there was demand for it. Then I went away to build the program in its most simplest form. And the next step was to sell the initial spots in the program, what I call the founding memberships, so that people could actually test it out and see what they thought. And I did a shout out on this podcast asking if anybody wanted to be a founding member and participate really early on. And I had a few of you did, which was great. And I also went back to the people who I originally interviewed, and I had many of them sign up. And voila, There it was, my first batch of 20 people in the program. So step one was information gathering and validating demand. Step two was building the most basic version of the program. Step three, making sure that the program helped people and it worked. And then the last phase was to fully launch the program and build out the external marketing site at retreatu.co. So I did that recently. And I'm sure there was probably a few things during this validation process that I could have done better, such as doing the interviews in a more concentrated period of time. I let them spill out over the course of a month. And then the other thing that I think I could have done better was to carve out more time to build the product right after I did the interviews because I ended up getting really busy with a January launch season and I wasn't able to have the program ready for a couple months after I did the interviews. But overall, the validation process worked really well because I had people tell me exactly what they needed help with. Now, let's look at an example of the opposite. 
of trying to launch something without validating. And I see this all too often with people in their businesses, and it's heartbreaking. And I'm going to use the specific example of running a retreat. Now, I know that there's lots of people who have had the calling to run a retreat, and some of them dive right in to do it without validating, without talking to people in their community to see if there's interest. And then they go to sell the retreat, and they get crickets, and they have a hard time selling it because they haven't done the proper work to validate demand for their retreat in their community. And this is why I've actually built validation as part of the five-step process of running retreats. When you go through Retreat You, you learn how to validate demand for your retreat before you book and start to sell it. And this is really, really important. So what I want you to take away from this is that No matter what you are building, there is always a way to validate and guarantee demand for your product, either by one-on-one conversations or by doing online testing. But you have to validate before you build. In this segment, we're going to talk about what validation is and why we do it. Now, I am grateful for so many people who have inspired me with this approach, and a lot of what I've learned, and I'm going to teach you today, came from the book The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. The trend we're moving towards these days when we build businesses, and one of the biggest takeaways from The Lean Startup is an iterative, customer-centric approach, which means that we no longer have a build it and they will come mentality. Rather, we invest the time into having conversations with prospective clients to talk about problems they're facing, what their pain points are, and then we develop something that will specifically solve their biggest challenges. This is what we mean by a customer-centric approach. It's about engaging with people and listening to what they need and then developing something to meet those needs. And the other part of iterative means, quite simply, don't invest too much time or money into building something perfect the first time around. Build the basics, get your customers to use it, and then as they provide feedback to you, you can tweak the product to improve it. So if you're building a new product, instead of taking seven months to build out the entire offering and investing heaps of time and money, you sit down and you honestly determine, what is the most basic version that I can create that will bring value to people? Start by building that first and then get feedback from people to make sure that you're on the right track. In the Lean Startup, they use the term MVP. And no, they're not talking about most valuable player. In this case, MVP is an acronym that stands for Minimum Viable Product. Now, that means the most basic, stripped-down version of your product or service that you can launch and test so that you can get people using it as quickly as possible. And you can get their feedback on how it functions, if there's any problems with it, and how you can improve it. Now, there's a lot of advantages to using this approach to building a product. Here's four main advantages. First off, you confirm that there is demand for what you want to offer. Why waste time and money going down a path to create something and then hope that people will want it 
when you could just get them involved in the process right from the beginning, which is hard data proof that they will want it and that they're willing to pay for it. The second great advantage of this is that you don't suffer the opportunity cost of not having revenue while you build out your product. Remember, this isn't a project or a hobby, you're building a business, which means that you are providing value to others in exchange for their money. And the quicker that you can get your MVP built and people using it, the quicker you're gonna get money coming in the door which can be reinvested into the product instead of waiting until everything is perfect and done to start selling it and making money, right? So the sooner you can get your MVP out there, the better. The third great advantage of validating is that you get great input from your clients and you involve them in the process. You might have great ideas on your own, of course, but imagine getting input and feedback from others as well. Multiple minds are greater than one. They might even see things or have great ideas that you overlooked. The fourth advantage of this process is that when you soft launch or you do your beta launch, it takes the pressure off of you being perfect. Your users know that this is new and that if something isn't perfect, then they'll be forgiving and you can take some of the pressure off yourself too. So here's a look at the basic steps for validating. First, you have initial conversations with people, or if it's an online product, you can do your testing online. Second, you build an MVP, or your minimum viable product. Third, you test and you get feedback. And lastly, you build out and you launch the full program. Now, in the Lean Startup, they actually introduce the cycle of build, measure, and learn, where you continue with a development process and you keep tweaking and testing things. And this approach really applies to building out software and other technology, and it might apply to what you're building too. It really depends. Only you will have the answer to that. But remember, to keep the lines of communication open, to receive feedback from people using your product. In this segment, we're going to start to integrate business theory with yogic wisdom. So we've talked about this iterative, customer-centric approach and building an MVP, and also using this cycle of build, measure, and learn. And there's a lot of different advantages to using this approach. From a business perspective, well, we get to confirm that there's demand. We get money flowing back into the business quickly. We get continuous input from our clients and we take the pressure off of being perfect. And these are all great advantages, but let's start to look at this in terms of building a conscious business. I want to look at how this approach of validating aligns with our conscious business principles. In this segment, I want to introduce you to the first two, which are prana and sangha. So let's start by looking at prana. And this is a Sanskrit term that means life force. We sometimes talk about prana, especially in yoga, as your breath. And this is a really good way to look at your business because it needs to have life to thrive and survive. And when we look at businesses, 
prana flows in a business with the exchange of products and services for money. When you provide value to people, in exchange for money flows back to you. This is life force or energy circulating in your business. And the more of it that flows, the more you are on a path towards being self-sustaining with your business. And this is an important objective of business because energy builds on itself. It accelerates and it draws more like energy to it. So this aligns with building an MVP because the sooner you have your product built, the sooner you're gonna be able to bring money in the door, which starts the prana flowing and it takes your business closer to being self-sustaining. Secondly, we are building upon the community or the Sangha, which is a really important principle of conscious business. Building community and bringing people together is one of the most powerful things you can do with your business. You see, when you lock yourself in a closet and you just focus on building something for seven months straight, you are working in isolation and you're shutting yourself off from the energy and the flow of building the ecosystem from engaging with clients and getting feedback. And this will not only be lonely and discouraging for you, but you'll be missing out on building community. So the process of validating and having a series of conversations with potential clients is a powerful way to build community right from the start. Your entire process of creating has community built right into it. It's ingrained in the DNA And the more you can focus on building community, the more successful your business will be. And you can build community in so many different ways. It could be with your clients, with your employees, with your partners, or with other people who have similar businesses to you. So the first two conscious business principles that we looked at are prana and sangha. Now let's look at the next two principles. The third principle to point out is how the build, measure, learn approach aligns directly with winks from the universe. Here's what I mean. In the Lean Startup, we learn to have a development loop where we create something, we test it out, we get feedback to learn, and then we decide to either go ahead along the current path or we maybe decide to change our direction. Now, I love this approach and I fully support it. And it's also incredibly familiar with how we listen to winks from the universe. Guidance is never linear or relative. When we get nudges from the universe to do something or we get downloads of ideas, it rarely comes in a linear fashion or logical format. I like to describe it as puzzle pieces that come to you in an irregular fashion. And it's only after you've received a few of the puzzle pieces that you start to notice them and think, oh, okay, I guess I'm putting a puzzle together, aren't I? And then we start to really pay attention for more and then they keep coming, but still in a very irregular fashion. So a perfect example for me that I've shared on this podcast before was where my business name came from. 
The corporate yogi came to me while I was still working full-time before I'd even thought about starting a business, and thankfully, I knew in that moment that I had to write it down. Now, ideas rarely come in a linear or predictable fashion. That's just part of the magic that we have in life. So we have to receive what we receive, keep track of it, and then we are responsible for creating the framework of how we're going to share this knowledge and wisdom with others. Do we share it as art, like a painting, or as music? Do we share it as a book, as a course, maybe a podcast? We are spoiled for choice these days as to what medium we use. But what I really want you to understand is that ideas and inspiration are often revealed to us in pieces. And you cannot wait until you have all the answers to get started. You have to just get started and then the answers show up along the way. Kind of like the concept of stepping stones as you cross a foggy lake. Only when you take one step are you close enough to see that the next one is waiting there for you. You often aren't able to see them all when you first start out, or you just have to trust that they're there. So we build an MVP because quite simply, we might not have all the information yet, but the only way to get access to that rest of the information is to get started. So build an MVP and be ready to tweak things based on feedback and based on new information and guidance that you receive along the way. So this podcast is a perfect example. (laughs) I really wish that I had received in a nice tiny little tidy box the entire framework and principles for building a conscious business before I started, but I didn't. They're being revealed to me as I go along. And yes, I'll confess, it's a little hard sometimes. It's a little confusing, and I wish I had all the information in the very beginning. But the more I lean in, the more I receive, and I've learned to really trust that process. And we are all at choice to either trust or control. And if you try to control, You shut off the flow of information coming to you. So from my heart to yours, trust the process and learn to be comfortable with the discomfort of not knowing the full plan. And lastly, we talk about the principle of collective intelligence. When you try to build something in a vacuum, you are really limited to the ideas and the vision for what you are building. And when we respect the principle of collective intelligence, We are recognizing the power of collective wisdom and knowledge that is beyond us alone. Engaging with clients about what they need and what they envision is really powerful. The power of many people working together, sharing their wisdom, sharing their experiences and their vision will serve to create something even more powerful. And when you take this customer-centric approach, you are really embracing the power of community, specifically humility, because you're not making assumptions that you know better than everyone else. You are admitting that you don't have all the answers, and you're asking others for help. When we live from these pure leadership qualities, we are truly being powerful. We are living from our heart, and we're leveraging our collective intelligence. 
as opposed to the opposite scenario where we build an entire product to perfection, quote unquote, and then we hope to sell it. When we take this approach, we're operating from our ego, which might hinder our success. Sometimes we get lucky and we get it right, but more often than not, we don't. And things need to be tweaked or recalibrated along the way. Okay, so let's review those four key principles of conscious business. First, there's prana or bringing life to your business, getting the energy flow to happen as an exchange of value between you and your clients. Second, there is sangha or community. Now, the more you can focus on building community, the more success your business will have. Third is to watch for winks from the universe as guidance and signs for what to do next. And lastly, the principle of collective intelligence. And there are two other aspects of validating that specifically apply to our personal development and help us build a conscious business. And I want to talk about those in this segment. First, the customer-centric approach of talking with our prospective clients reveals whether or not we have the confidence to launch and if we are ready to launch. And I see this scenario happen quite often with people. If I ask them to validate and have a series of conversations with people to see if there's demand and they don't do this or they procrastinate doing it, then this is a clear sign of resistance. It's a bit of a red flag because here's the thing. If they're not ready to talk about the idea of building a product, then they're likely going to have a hard time to actually sell their product. So for me, The process of validating reveals if you're ready or if you need a little bit more time to work on your mindset, to work on your leadership and really build your confidence. And second, the MVP approach helps you to avoid the paralysis of perfection, which is when we have a mental block from launching something, something new because we have such incredibly high standards for ourselves and we're worried that it won't be perfect the first time. But we know, right, that there's a deeper level going on here. And quite often the quest to build out something that is perfect is really just a stalling tactic to avoid getting it out there and selling it. So when we take too long to build something, we know that our ego is running the show and fear and self-doubt are causing us to question ourselves. So when we use the MVP approach, we avoid the paralysis of perfection and any subconscious attempts to stall ourselves. We take away all the excuses and we just get out there and launch. And it's time to start wrapping up this episode on validating. I hope I've given you lots to think about today, and I hope that you'll consider the process of validating either with what you're doing now or what you plan to do in the future. I've done it both ways, and trust me, it's a no-brainer. I will never go back to the old way of doing things. And I hope that you can see both the business benefits of validating and also how the process of validating is truly aligned with the approach to building a conscious business. As always, I'd love your feedback on this episode. Any questions, thoughts, or concerns that you have, please share them with me. 
in the spirit, especially of Sangha or community. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher so you don't ever miss an episode because you never know when a bonus episode might be released and just spontaneously show up. And I don't want you to ever miss one. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Remember that being an entrepreneur is the most intense form of personal development that you will ever go through. So be patient and be kind to yourself. Deep down inside, you know how powerful you are. Now it's time to step up and let the rest of us see it.